0: Everybody say, massive. Oh, come on. Yeah. I said, everybody say, massive. massive. Is God great? Yeah. Why don't you take a seat? Who's ready for tonight? Yeah. Come on, who's ready for tonight? Yeah. Who's ready to get touched by God? Yeah. Or even more importantly, who's ready to access God? Yeah. You're ready to, to be challenged and changed? You ready to have God speak to you? This is a kind of listen. Sort of, you're not sure what you're agreeing to. Come on, are you ready? Are you ready? I love that song. Do you know why I love that song? Not just because it's a great song, and and, you know, if you're acoustic guitar kind, you can get into it, and and you're just like, yeah, I'm the man, sort of thing. But it's more, I love that. I love that chorus. It says, "You're great. You're great and mighty. You're the King of Glory." It says, you're great, ancient of days. Come on. It says, keeper of my heart. You know, there is nobody, there is nothing that can keep your heart other than Jesus Christ. Is that right? And you see, we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is imperfect. We live in a world that is uh, falling down around us. And so what we see is that affects us. But we've got a God and he says, he's the keeper of our heart. Who knows that we need a keeper of our heart? I love Psalm 20. Anyone knows? Does anyone know Psalm 23? It talks about this shepherd, that God is like a shepherd. And I love it because when I get so stressed out and when I get so stirred up and worried on the inside, I think on that scripture and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the keeper of my heart. It says, I will lack nothing. It says that I can run to him. And he does this. He doesn't say, yeah, if you feel like it. He says, he makes me. Everybody say, makes me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Turn to the person next to you and say, your soul is going to get restored tonight. I know there is such a desperate need in the world for some answers. We know there's heaps of problems, but we need somebody to come and say, here's some answers. And you know who's going to do that? Who's going to do that? Who's going to do that? Yeah, but through who? Through you. So everybody say, me. So you are the answer of the world. Did you know that? Some people are not so sure about this. Did you realize, you are the answer of the world. So how do I know that? Because Jesus sent you. He said, I'm not longer on this planet. And so he said, I'll send you. So who's the answer of the world? Yeah. It's good. This is good. Okay. Who's, uh, we're getting somewhere here tonight. Is it good? You're sort of kind of not really sure. We kind of feel away a little bit. I want to tell you, open up, open up right from the start. Why don't we just close your eyes for a moment? Father, I thank you that we can be here tonight. I thank you that there is no person in this place tonight that is here by chance. That there is no person here tonight that you don't want to speak to and touch and impact and change. So Lord, right now we open up our hearts to you. We open up our souls and our spirit to you that you would speak in, that you'd speak into in us and through us, that we'd be changed and transformed on the inside. That you would come in, you'd heal the brokenness and you'd restore us and that would be who you called us to be. And everyone said? Amen, I'm, I'm loving the series that, that Pastor Mike and the church is doing on the beta Satan about fences and dealing with offenses. Except there's one problem. We've only had one week, and this week at my workplace, I did the most biggest clangor of an offense ever possible. And I thought, oh, God, how could I do this? I was thinking, far out, what's going on? But I was thinking, right, no, it's all right, it's all right. I've just got to look to God, I've got to hold on and trust Him that it's going to turn out right. But you know what? I know that God wants to do a deeper work in me. The only problem is that when he wants to do a deeper work, he's got to uncover some stuff. I remember Pastor Mike saying last week, he said, you've got to expect these things. Number one, old offenses will resurface. Have you had some of those already? New offenses will come. I'm thinking, oh, let's just get on with the message. All right, it says this in Luke chapter 17. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And it says this. It says, then he, that's Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. You know why it's impossible? Because we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's imperfect. You know that the person beside you is imperfect. Is that right? Except if you're married to them. You expect them to be perfect, but they're not. You know that they're imperfect. So because we're imperfect, because we know nobody that's perfect, the reality is whether people intend to or not, you will be treated unjustly. So fences will come. Is that right? We're in agreement on that one. That's the problem. But the thing is, if we treat them right, if we deal with these right, then we'll grow through it and grow in character and capacity to about influence and touch people. Because if we can say, these things just don't affect me, that we can just love in spite of it, that we can embrace people in spite of that, then our capacity will grow. And it's like, God will be able to move through us in such an amazing way because there won't be these blockages. Who says, who wants to get rid of some blockages tonight? Who wants to get rid of some blockages tonight? Oh, good. Good, I am in the right place. It says this in verse 3. Chapter 17, verse 3, it says this. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. So he's saying, listen up. Look after yourself here. This is for your benefit. Take heed to yourself. This is about, hey, I've got, to, I've got to listen to this because whatever follows on for this, I've got to take note of this because this is going to be good for me, right? Take heed to yourself. He says this, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins or treats you unjustly or offends you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, if my brother comes up to me or somebody that I know and actually does me some damage... The Bible says, take heed to yourself, forgive him. I think, hang on a moment. It's it's about I should forgive him for his benefit. No, no, no. Catch this. Take heed to yourself. It's for your benefit that you forgive. Why is it to your benefit that you forgive? Take heed to yourself. Why? It's like you imagine this. Say, uh, Steve, here's my mate. And he comes up and he does something to me. And uh, what he does is, the, he speaks some words. And these words, they're like arrows and they pierce my heart. And they so badly wound me. It's like, what happens is, he's lodged an arrow or a heart, or a dagger in my heart. Yeah, you, know, you listen, and you twist, hang on, back off. But see, what happens is, he says, take heed to yourself. If your brother treats you unjustly or says something that hurts you or, or does something that damages you, Forgive him. Why? Because if I don't forgive him, I'm holding on to that knife. That knife is still on the inside of me, and if I will not forgive him, then I'm holding on to it. See, how can I carry on if I've got this dagger in, in the side of me? Is that right? How can I carry on if I've got this thing still inside me? Who's ever heard the phrase, a burr under the saddle? You see, you get a horse, right? And horses are for riding on. Generally, you put a saddle on the horse and they hop on the saddle and then you, you ride away. And so my background's a little bit of riding and so on. And so understand this. Now, what happens is if you're riding along and you go maybe through some gorse bushes and you get this nice gnarly piece of gorse that's about that big that breaks off and it gets lodged under the saddle. That's called a burr under the saddle. Now, what's the problem with that? It upsets the horse. Now the thing is it can actually sit there and do nothing for a while. But if you carry on, if you just if the horse just sits still and doesn't even move, it's actually okay. But as soon as that horse starts moving and there's a person in the saddle, what happens? It actually starts to damage and starts to irritate and starts to damage more and more. And it damages to such an extent that it actually can wreck that horse's ability to carry a rider again. And what's what's it good for? Put out to pasture or they shoot it and feed the dogs. Feed the dogs. Okay. Feed the dogs. <laughs> I know that that's so much the same as us. You see, if we get burrs, if we get offenses or something that affects us, it's like that piece of gorse under the saddle that we want to, We're okay if we just stay still, God. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. But the thing is, if we want to go on with God, if we want to walk in life and connect with people... The problem is we've actually got to deal with that. So that's, that's number one. We're not going to even talk about that tonight because we're going to talk about that over the next 12 weeks. But I want to talk about this because, you see, there's two parts to dealing with offense. One is to, to forgive, which removes that dagger or removes the bear. But the second part of that is to actually see if you got this dagger in me and I forgive it, it's like I remove the dagger. Is it all on? We can just move on and we're all happy? Because I know that when something hurts or offends hurt or treats me unjustly, I can actually forgive. But you see, I've still got this wound on the inside. You see, I can take the burr out from underneath the saddle. But if I don't actually take the saddle off and heal the wound, I'm still going to have that same problem going forward. Are you hearing me tonight? Are you catching a hold of this? So I can, conf- I can forgive but not deal with the brokenness. I can forgive and not deal with the hurt. And herein lies the problem. So here's tonight's message. What becomes of the brokenhearted? You hearing me tonight? Because I know that I've grown up. I grew up in a church, right? I grew up in a Christian home. And you see what religion does. Religion demands forgiveness. It says, right, Steve, you hurt me. And so Pastor Doug comes over and he, I demand that you forgive Steve. I say, yes, Pastor Doug, a oh great and mighty one. I will forgive Steve because he has hurt me. And so I get the dagger out and I move on. But then see what religion doesn't do is religion does not deal with the hurt. All it does is get this big tombstone and rolls it over the front of it and says, you'll be all right. It's just your brother. You know, just forgive him. Just get on with it. Get over it. We were sitting there last week and Pastor Mike was talking and I was sitting next to Doug and we were talking about offenses and I was saying, Doug, just three words for you. Three words, get over it. Just get over it. And then Pastor Mike says, because we were just kind of just quietly chatting in the the front row. And then Pastor Mike says, one thing you can't do is just say get over it. So, uh, that's my confession for the night. But you see, the thing is, religion it demands forgiveness, and then when you forgive, it says just get over it, just cover it over, just move on in life. So the problem that we've got is we've got churches in New Zealand, and then we've got people in New Zealand that are covered over, that are shut down, that have got this deep-seated brokenness on the inside. You see, what does it mean to be broken-hearted? Who here has ever had a broken leg? or a broken arm, or a broken bone. Well, I should say maybe who has never had one, because then you understand. See, what happens if you, if you broke something? If you've got a broken leg, or you've got a broken arm, what what, what happens? You see, if I've got a broken leg, I could, yeah, so there's no way I could do this, or, so the first thing it does, it, it can no longer function properly. So if I break my leg, I can no longer function properly, I can no longer jump, I can no longer walk around or run. Is that right? Or the second thing is I might better do that, but I'll have incredible pain. So I would come to worship. It's like somebody's going, and I will look pretty freaky and weird. So what does it mean to be brokenhearted? You see, just the same. You see, what does it mean to have a broken heart? You see, the heart, has everyone got a heart here tonight? That's good. That's good. You see, the heart is the center of the body, and what it does is it pumps blood around the body. So it's the center of the life. It's actually the center. So what it is, it's likened to the center center of your body being the center of your spirituality, the center of your spirit, emotions, physical, spiritual, and emotional life. So what happens if you damage your heart, You can no longer function properly or you function with pain. You hear me tonight? See, what happens when you damage your heart or you have a broken heart, you can no longer relate properly or you relate with pain. You hear me tonight? You see, it's never God's intention that we be like that because he made us as people that would relate to each other and to God. You see, if I've got a brokenness or a part brokenness inside of me, not only can I not connect with people as God intended, but I can't connect to God as intended because I'm broken in the side. So, to understand why tonight Jesus came and looked for, and he says this, Jesus, the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the poor to restore people in a relationship with God. And what was the number two thing? To heal the brokenhearted. Before deliverance, before proclaiming amazing life, he said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. So speak to your neighbor and say, there's going to be some healing of broken hearts tonight. That's good. So what does it mean to be brokenhearted? You see... It's where the center of life is bruised, broken to shivers, or crushed to iron. You see, if, if I've got a broken heart, I won't be able to function properly. So it'll be like this. It'll be like I'm, I'm coming, and I, I know I can trust Doug. But because of my brokenness, in spite of him being trustworthy, I cannot trust him. Or I want to connect. I want to actually reach out and actually be able to connect and, and build friendships. But because of the pain inside of me, I won't be able to connect because this pain will come up between us. How else does it work? You see, a broken heart, there'll also be numbness. What I do is, and I know as a bloke, this sort of happens. I went to a meeting a while back just with a group of guys. And after that, somebody spoke to me and and they said, Andrew, you're locked up, locked up emotionally. And I thought, whoa, you know, that's pretty left field for, you know, come on, we're blokes here, you know, I'm kind of open and, you know, I know how to give a bloke hug and you know, I know how to, to talk about and so, you know, have a conversation with my wife. Surely, you know, locked up emotionally. You've got to be kidding. So I go home to my wife and I say, honey, am I locked up emotionally? She says, yeah. Like, oh, thank God for honest woman. You know, what it does is it causes you to go numb on the inside. So actually you can't even feel. So what happens is I've been hurt forgiven but I've just covered over and so I just go numb and the thing is if I carry on like that it becomes more and more and more numb so I don't even I'm not even aware of what's going on I'm not even aware of what's happening I'm not even aware of how I feel it's like my wife will say what's going on I don't know well how do you feel Uh, just give me some time I'm trying to process that but you see it's never God's intention because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So I know there's people here tonight, and you're feeling brokenhearted. It's even as I'm starting to talk, you're starting to feel, "Oops, that's me. Jesus is here to heal the brokenhearted. The last thing it does is what it does, and I know in my life, what you do is your body, it's like if you've got a damaged lung, or what you do is your other lung starts to compensate for it. If you've got one damaged kidney, they can remove that, and your other kidney will compensate for it. So if we've got a broken heart, what we do, being such smart human beings that we are, is we compensate for our broken heart. So how do we do that? We get into performance. So I'll just perform harder. You know, you don't, I don't connect, so I'll just try harder. And the problem is the harder we try, the more people see it and think we're weird and distance themselves, so we just feel even more broken hearted. So what becomes of the broken hearted? I want to talk about two stories tonight. And I, and I pray that we'd be like the second one. The first one is found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13. If you want to turn to there. And we just talk about the story. Here we've got, we've got this lady and her name is Tamar. So everyone say Tamar. And it says this in verse 1 of chapter 13. After this, Absalom... The son of David had a lovely sister. Who's got a lovely sister? I've got an absolutely amazing sister. She doesn't live here, but she is lovely. You see, we've got the story about Tamar. She's got a brother called Absalom. And her father is King David in the Bible. And so King David had many wives. And so you've got Tamar and Absalom, that direct brother and sister. And then you've got this other guy called Amnon. And so he's a half-brother. Okay, and, and I know in New Zealand we're getting more and more of that. Uh, so what we've got here is a blended family. Does that make sense? And so here we got Tamar. Now it says about her that sh- her name actually means a date palm. And you're thinking, well, yeah, that's a bit funny, that's a bit weird. But hear this. You see, date palms were always established in an oasis. So you're cruising through the desert and what's the first thing you see that tells you that there's an oasis? You see the palm tree. So that. Palm tree represents beauty, it represents fruitfulness, it represents prosperity, it represents a whole heap of amazing, great things. And so she was called that very name because she was beautiful, she was prosperous, she was lovely, she was cheerful. It says she dwelt in her father's house. And I'll tell you that Jesus called you and designed you to be existing in his father's house. Who's in his father's house tonight? You know, there is no place that I'd rather be than in his house. It doesn't, it's not just about living in my home, but it's actually my identity is in his house. I belong in his house because he's my father. That's where I belong. But you see what happened is Satan wants to displace you from his house. So we got Tamar. She's in his house. She's connected. in it says that she was one of the virgin daughters of the king. So she was given this robe, and it was this robe of many beautiful colors cheerful colors. So we've got this girl, we've got this picture. You're catching this tonight where she's full of life. She's prosperous. She's amazing. She's like, she's just absolutely gorgeous, full of prosperity and life and cheerfulness. But see, what happens is she's got this half-brother called Amnon. Now get this. His name actually means faithful and trustworthy. But he's got a problem. Who knows we live in a broken world? An imperfect world? see, Amnon's got a problem with lust. Not only that, he's actually got this ungodly lust for his sister. So the guts of what happens is he entices her and sets her up in a situation and rapes her. And I think, oh, far out, this is getting pretty heavy. Okay, so what happens as a result of that? We read on, we read this. He took advantage of her. And so what happens? We see in verse 15. It says that Amnon hated her exceedingly. So after he'd abused her and taken advantage of her, then this lust that he had so strong for her, it says this, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love for which he had loved her. I think far out. So here we've got this girl that's just amazing and beautiful and so connected. He's this very person that she trusts, that's so faithful, takes advantage of her, and it completely devastates her, and then that love and lust is turned into such great hatred. But it goes on. It's not only stops there. It only says that, but he says, get out of my house. And then he puts her out, shots the door behind her. In verse 18, now she had on a, a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put on ashes on her head. So you, here you got this beautiful young lady. She takes ap- ashes. She puts them on her head. So suddenly, is she looking so good? Then she takes this robe, and she rips the robe. And, and she laid her hand on her head, that speaks of shame, and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, this is her full brother, said to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So what was he saying? It's like, just just keep quiet. Don't say anything. Just look, get over it. It's just, you know, it's your brother. So just, look, you know, this, this person who hurt you, it's your brother. So just keep it quiet. Don't take it, don't, you know, just no, don't take it too seriously. Just get over it. And I think far, far out. Here you've got somebody that's totally devastated. And what happens? She comes to church. And uh, someone said, just get over it. Get over it. I think far out. So what becomes of this broken-hearted woman? Here she starts off clothed, beautiful, lovely, prosperous, colorful, honored in her father's house. She loses honor. She's humiliated, cast out, rejected, shamed. She loses honor, beauty, prosperity, all things positive. Her joy is destroyed. And where does she end up? It says this in verse 21 or 20. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. You see, God intended you to be in his house, in the father's house. But she ended up desolate in her brother's house. God's intention for you, I don't know where you are tonight, but his intention is that you be seated, be clothed, be covered, be given honor and brought forth and healed and planted in his father's house. Not left desolate in your brother's house. Are you catching this tonight? You see, what does it mean to be desolate? A desolate wasteland. It means this. It means to be deserted. It means isolated. I wonder if we've got some isolated people here tonight. Uninhabited, bleak, wild, barren, depressed, unhappy, miserable. Oh uh, yeah, we took our family from McDonald's for lunch today and I was looking around and and I look in the eyes of some people, and what do you see? Desolate. Turn to the person next to you and look in the eyes. No, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Come on, too late, it's too late. So what happens? We've got this, don't get too heavy on me, okay? We've got this situation where God's intention is that she be established, full and whole. God gave her a name which meant beautiful, lovely. And yet some things happened to her that actually caused her to become desolate and remain outside, cut off, isolated, broken hearted. But see, the story doesn't end there. Because we're going we're to jump over to the New Testament. We're going to read another story. This, this story is found in the book of Matthew chapter 9. So let's just jump over that. Because here, it's starting to get better. Turn to your table and say, it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. Just hold on. We're not, we have not finished yet. And you see, with God, there's always a way. It doesn't matter how bleak, how cut off, how isolated, how lonely, how broken you are. With Jesus, there is always a way. You see, he's great and mighty. He's the keeper of my... He's the keeper of my... You see, he's the keeper of my heart. So if I can come to the keeper of my heart, if I can come to the shepherd of my soul, then his intention is to heal the brokenhearted. You see, in this book in Matthew, we, we hear another person. You see, this person hasn't even got a name. Now, I think far out. We've got Tamar. He starts off with his name of beautiful and lovely. Well, this person hasn't even got a name. She's just called the woman with the issue of blood. Or a certain woman. I think, far out. So for a start, she's cut off. She's not restarting really good. She's a nobody. Says that for 12 years, she'd been bleeding internally. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be like that. Not only that, in those days, just be careful what I say here, in those days, When a woman was in that situation, bleeding internally, you were labeled unclean. And you were cut off and separated. So you see, she may have... I don't know why she was like that, but she may have started off in her father's house. But because she got this condition on the inside of her, I don't know if someone had done that to her. I don't know what had happened. Maybe it was a physical sickness. Maybe it was something that was done to her. Who knows? But we know this, that if she started off in her father's house... She's no longer allowed to be in there and cut off. She may have been married, but no longer. She's got to be cut off and separated and isolated because of this condition. You see, she'd been in this way 12 years. You said she'd spent her whole livelihood. Everything that she had, she'd gone out and sought out help. She didn't just stay in the place, cut off and isolated and broken. But I know she would have been humiliated. She would have, it's like, here's that girl coming along again. Guys, look out. Don't touch her. She's untouchable. How would she have felt? I know. You see, blood comes pumped from the heart. So we've got another person who's brokenhearted. 12 years. I know there's people here tonight. Things have happened to you 12 years ago, 16 years ago, maybe more, maybe less. Maybe just last week some things happened to you, and you may have forgiven. But there's this brokenness. There's internal hemorrhaging there's this bleeding on the inside and it's causing you to be isolated and cut off because there's a brokenness inside. Are you hearing this tonight? See, she was so used to the pain and the brokenness that she couldn't remember anything else. I thought, far out. She's so long had this condition that she doesn't know what it's like to be whole. But she hears this story about this man called Jesus. She hears a story about this man called Jesus who came across a blind man and he healed this blind man. She heard this story about this man called Jesus who, who came and and raised this man called Lazarus from the dead. She heard this man called Jesus who, who prayed for the sick and they were healed. And she thought, if only I could touch him. If only I could reach out. Maybe if I could just touch this man, then I would be healed. Maybe if I could just reach out and touch this Jesus. You see, something on the inside of her grasped a hold of hope. Because the thing is, if we let go of hope, we've got nothing. But if we hold on to hope, if we hold on to faith, that our God has greater things for us. He didn't design you to be cut off and isolated and separated and alone. He didn't design you to be left desolate and broken. He designed you to be healed. You see, she didn't just accept being placed in this, wherever she was. Tamar stayed or remained in her brother's house desolate. But this woman, though she's, got, she's a nobody, she's got no name. We don't know who she is, but she chose not to stay there. She said, the first thing, if I can just touch him, then I will be made well. See, the first thing that she did, she saw where he was and there was a great crowd that thronged about him. A great thronging crowd. Thronging crowd. But you see, the thing is, she wouldn't let the crowd stop her from coming in. You know, the crowd, it's like she wasn't even supposed to be there because she was untouchable. She was unclean. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? But she chose... I'm not going to stay as I am. I'm going to reach through because I've got to touch Jesus. So she pushed through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd of offense. She said, I'm not going to hold on to that offense any longer. I'm going to release that forgiveness. I'm going to push through that crowd of offense. I'm going to push through those crowds that would say, who do you think you are reaching out to Jesus? He can't heal you. He can't heal you. But I'll tell you, something on the inside of her rose up. She says, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made well. If I can touch, just touch his garment, I'll be made well. And this person looks at her. What are you doing here? But she locks in. If I can just touch his garment, I'll be made well. This thing rises up. This brokenness she just like wants to, it's this like intimidation, a pullback. But if I can just touch him, I'll be made well. Are you here tonight? If I can just touch him, I'll be made well. I know this stuff inside of me. If I can just touch him, I'll be made well. You see, she pushes through the crowd. Not only is she like that, but she'd lost blood for 12 years. And I know if, if you've got a condition like that, you'd actually be weak physically. So not only does she have to push through the crowd, but actually the stuff inside her is actually, it's actually physically difficult for her to push through. But she's so determined because she knows if I can touch him, I'll be made well. I know tonight Jesus is here and that if we'll just push in and grasp a hold of him, that we will be made well because he said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. If we'll acknowledge our condition, if we declare our dependency on Him, if we come with faith to know that if I will touch Him, I'll be made well, then I know that you will be made well. There will start you on a process to get totally healed on the inside out so that we can then relate again to people. We can begin function properly without pain. Because I know I live in, I live in a world that's broken and full of pain. And yet the church carries that same pain and brokenness. And Jesus said, I come to clean up that. It says this. She pushed through the crowd. You see, what becomes of the brokenhearted? You choose. What becomes of the brokenhearted? You choose. You see, I can say, but this person did this to me. I grew up in this family that did this, and I, I went to this school, and I was picked on because I was a Christian, and I was beaten up, and then I went to this other school, and they did this to me, and... And I always did this and this and that and the other thing. But you see, how long do you want to stay brokenhearted? You choose what becomes of the brokenhearted. We got Tamar. She remained in her brother's house, separated, cut off, desolate. But here we got this other woman, nobody and no name. And she said, I'm not going to stay the same. You see, what becomes of the brokenhearted? You decide. Number one, she pushed through the crowd. The crowd of offense, the crowd of pain, the crowd of shame, the crowd of physical, just like, how could I ever break out of this? She pushed through that. She touched Jesus in faith. See, it takes faith to grab a hold of Jesus in spite of how we feel, in spite of the brokenness. If I would open up and let him touch me, it's like, can I trust Jesus? You see, if I've trusted someone close to me, and they've actually hurt me, then it becomes awfully hard to touch and reach out and trust somebody else. You see, if my father's hurt me, then I find it really hard to open up to God, my father. That's why it's impossible to touch God without faith. See, he who comes to him must believe that he is, and he's rewarded of those who diligently seek him. See, the Bible says that if you will seek him, If you grab a hold of him, he will reward you. What is it that you need tonight? You see, Jesus doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. You see, we went to Uganda recently, and I know there's so much need in Uganda. But you see, if God was a God who responded to need, there wouldn't be any problems there. If God was a God that responded to need, I wouldn't have any problems. You see, God responds to faith. You see, this woman pushed through the crowd. She said, If only I can touch his garment, I will be made well. And she reaches from behind him and touches his garment, and immediately she is made well. But it doesn't stop there. See, number one, she pushed through the crowd, a crowd of offense and shame and pain. Number two, she touched Christ in faith, believing that she'd be healed. Number three, you see, Jesus then felt. Power come out of him. He felt this power to heal the broken hardness come out of him and touch him. And so suddenly he's got this thronging crowd around him but he realizes something has touched him. He turns around and says, who touched me? And all the disciples say, what's with you Jesus? It's like, man it was me, we all touched you. But he says, no, no, someone touched me. Someone touched me. You know it's the difference between touching someone and touching someone. Let's touch someone tonight. See, Jesus said, who touched me? And so rather than just slinking away, disappearing, she did two things. Number one, she says, it's me. You know, that's the first thing to actually get free is I had to say, yep, it's it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that actually needs to touch you, Jesus. Now, it's actually not my wife. It's me. It's actually not my boss. It's me. I need to touch Jesus because I've got the problem. I need to... First thing she did, she acknowledged that it was me. I've had this condition for 12 years. I was bleeding and turning Now, as soon as she started to say those things, the crowd would have gone... Untouchable. But she, in spite of that, acknowledged. And the next thing she did, she declared what had happened. She said, I... Acknowledged this condition in my life, but I also declare that I've been made well. And Jesus did these three things. And I love this because he's here tonight to do the same thing. This is what Jesus said. Chapter 9. And it's in verse 20. It says this. We carry on. And it says in verse 22, but Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said this. Be of good cheer. Well, far out. This is great. So we got Tamar. She starts off cheerful, lively, coat of many colors, all lovely and beautiful, and she loses that. First thing Jesus said, it's like, hang on, is she just bleeding? No, there's a broken heartedness. He says, be of good cheer, daughter. Second thing he says is this. Verse 22. He says, your faith has made you well. You know that word well? It doesn't just mean physically healed. It means whole. You see, she's broken on the inside. We're broken on the inside. Desolate, destroyed, isolated, alone. But he says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. A friend of mine says this. He says, it's like an, like an onion. Not an onion, or no, an orange. You know, an orange has got these different segments. A whole orange has all got all the segments together again. Whole, well so that the part of me on the inside of me is in harmony again I've got this thing going on so no longer is this broken part but I'm complete again on the inside your faith has made you well who wants to be well tonight? who wants to have this Jesus touch them or reach out and touch this see that's the interesting thing who touched who? who had the problem? So we've got this Jesus in this place. And so she reached out and touched Jesus. Jesus didn't touch her. She touched Jesus. I think far out. I've got to do that tonight. So she reached out. She touched that. And the third thing, and it says, your faith has made thee well. And the woman was made well from that very moment. You know, Luke 4:18 says this, that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me wonder if the team could come. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. See, the first reason Jesus came is to restore people in relationship with God. You see, what had happened is there an, there an offense had come. That offense was sin, and sin had separated. The first thing that Jesus came to do was to actually take the curse and the offense and remove it so that we can get restored relationship with God the Father I wonder tonight if there's anybody and that's the first thing that we need to do you're listening to this story tonight you say that's me I haven't even actually heard this message before of a Jesus that can come not only heal me but restore me in relationship with God the Father if that's you tonight we're going to have an opportunity in a moment for you to come forward and pray for some people. I don't want you just to identify yourself. But not only that, but he said, I came, I'm anointed, and I'm sent to heal the brokenhearted. I know tonight, Jesus is here. We can access him because he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. I don't know about you. It may be, there's a physical brokenness. Maybe that's because of physical abuse or something that was said years ago or something that was done to you you know it may not just be physical it may be emotional it may be spiritual you know we live in a society that actually can cause people to be abused spiritually and locked up shut down maybe it was something physical maybe it was something emotional I don't know I don't know what the thing is, how you've been treated unjustly. But I know that if we respond tonight, if we reach out and we touch Jesus, that the power of God is here tonight to heal. Can you say amen? Why don't we all stand up tonight? You know, as the team sings, we're going gonna, gonna to invite you. I know there's many people here tonight. And you know that there's things inside of you that you need to get right with God. That you're in that place. Maybe you're not quite in that place of desolate at the moment, but you know there's stuff inside of you that I may have forgiven, but I need to deal with some of these things and this hurt and brokenness. Tonight may be just the first night of you actually starting to work on some of those things. Maybe you need to do a course on living waters that helps actually work through some of these things. Maybe you actually need to talk to somebody about some of these things. But I know that if we come to Him, just like that woman push through the crowd, touch Him in faith, if we'll acknowledge our true condition and declare He's healed me, that if we day after day after day approach Him and access His presence in life, that I know that I will be made well. If that's you tonight, I want you to, we're going to start to sing, but I want you to quickly come to the front.
1: Jesus, you are to me all that resembles grace and loyalty. You are gently calling me in to your presence again. by my side makes me realize you are God. Jesus. Jesus, you are too.
0: the first response is us reaching out to him you see the thing is because of our brokenness it gives an access point see this woman was desolate she was locked away in a room she had shame brokenness pain and I know some of us actually need deliverance for Jesus to set us free but what are we going to do is the first thing is to approach him So what I'm going to do is, I know there's more people that you need to respond, but what we're going to do is, I want every person here to lift your hands up in this place. Let's lift their hands up. And we're just going to pray. I want you to pray after me. Let's all just pray together. Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. To die on the cross for my pain. To die on the cross for my offense. To die on the cross for my brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I come to you. I push aside every offense. I push aside the pain and brokenness. And I reach out to you. I thank you that in you there's a power to heal. I believe that you can heal me. I lay aside my pain and I approach you right now and I touch you. I thank you, your power to heal. I acknowledge my condition, my brokenness, my pain my desolation and I thank you I declare you have made me whole you have made me whole you have made me well father right now in Jesus name I take dominion over every spirit of brokenness I thank you for your power to heal I thank you every spirit of grief and shame Every spirit of pain. be In Jesus' name. And I thank you for your spirit. Touching lives. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you for your grace. Your enabling power here tonight. To touch lives. What I want us to do is. We're going to begin to worship. And carry on worshipping. What I want you to do is begin to reach out. Reach out and touch Jesus by faith. Believing that as you touch him. He makes you well. And I want the team, the leaders, we're going to begin to pray for people. We're going to start and set in motion the process of healing the brokenhearted. Jesus, thank you for your presence here tonight. We reach out and touch you tonight. Jesus,
1: you are...
0: grace and loyalty
1: you are gently calling me in to your presence again we find me following you are always